Well, good morning. Wow, I think that was like the best I've had in a long time. Well, welcome to Cottonwood Bible Church. We're glad to have you with us this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, if you wouldn't mind filling out the white card in the seat back in front of you, put that in the offering plate as it goes by later. That way we have a record of your visit. We would appreciate that. Some announcements this morning. Wow, they're starting to get a lot more spots now. See that? Yeah. Church gathering times, 9.15 Bible study and Sunday school class. So if you didn't... Uh, weren't able to get here at 9.15 this morning and you want to be a part of that, come at 9.15. We'll make sure you get into the right Sunday school class. Not that there's a lot of choices, but we'll make sure you get into the right one, the right location. Well, depends on what size you are. And then uh, snack fellowship at 10 a.m. And then 10.30 morning service where you're at now. And then the ladies' Bible study tonight uh, is, they're going to cancel the ladies' Bible study tonight. No ladies' Bible study tonight. And we'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, Wednesday gospel care community group here at the church building. Uh, this uh, this Wednesday we bring a, our favorite dish, we share a meal together, and then Jim's been teaching through a uh, a lesson. You just started that last week again, right? So, and generous church in a stingy world. I like that. Okay, generous church in a stingy world. So that's part of the study that we're doing at around seven ish. So if you come at six, bring a favorite dish, we eat, and then start that study a little after seven, and then. Jim's going to come up and talk about the Solemn Assembly, and this is why the ladies aren't meeting tonight. Yes, so we're going to have our, the Solemn Assembly, which we've been doing that. Uh, I think they did that one earlier this year uh, over at, um, I want to say it was, um, it was over at the Ridge. I think it was over at the Ridge, Southern Baptist Church there in Prescott Valley. Yeah, they have it at the Ridge. And then they're having one tonight here at 6, uh, probably go about an hour-ish or so, a little bit past that. Uh, so plan on that for tonight. And um, uh, we'll, we'll be doing some songs. Mike will do a, f uh, a few songs. I'm going to do a couple of them as well on the guitar. So um, it's good because we're praying for God to bring reformation revival. Uh, for God to reform His church, bring us back to the centrality of the gospel, and then also to bring about revival where nominal Christians come to Christ, sleepy Christians wake up, and then non-Christians respond to the gospel. So that's what we're praying for, not just in reference to our town, but throughout. So that's what we're praying for. So come to our solemn assembly at 6 o'clock tonight. And uh, Byron Bantra is going to be leading it. He's uh, kind of the interim for the Southern Arizona Southern Baptist. So he'll be here tonight. So yeah, it'll be good. Cool. Thank you. And then no sh no fellowship meal next Sunday. Oh yeah, next Sunday, May eighth for Mother's Day. So we're not going to have our fellowship meal like we usually have next Saturday. So take your moms out, right? Take your moms out. Take your wife, whoever. I mean, take take somebody out, but especially your moms. Take Travis out. Yeah, take me out. <laughs> so no fellowship meal next Sunday, and I think that's just of the announcement. I do want to make mention. Uh, it's not in your bulletin, nor is it up on the screen. I'll bring it up before you, uh, specifically for you members of Cotton Bible Church. Um, Joel Tetru, he's coming to preach for me in a few weeks when we leave, when we're gone. Um, he's going on a missions trip and, and going to bring before the congregation next Sunday and also the 15th. We'll do a special called members meeting on the 15th. But just want to prepare you. He's going doing a missions trip. Uh, Joel is a dear brother at Southeast Valley, Southeast Valley Bible Church. 
uh, um, committed to the gospel, a guy who's just committed to reform theology, and just a solid man. And so he's training some pastors in South America, amongst other places too. But we'll bring it before you as a congregation next Sunday and the Sunday after that. So we as a church will decide um, how we want to be able to support him uh, as a church you know, on this mission trip he's going on. But I just want to prepare you for that. Yeah, so. most of you, I think, have met him, and mm-hmm. we, we've got to spend some time with him at the Shepherd's Conference. And yeah, we saw him at the Shepherd's Conference he's last He's just time. such a character. Yeah. Love, love Joel. Just a neat guy. Loves loves Christ. Loves the church. So, uh, other things you want to make mention. I like to make mention um, of the ABCs of CBC, the basics of Cottonwood Bible Church. Uh, for those of you interested about the basics of Cottonwood Bible Church, speak with me about that. Or interested in in baptism, you can talk with me about that as well. Um, but also, what's most important is we want to be a church that's committed to the gospel. We want to be a church that's influenced and shaped by the gospel, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise His name, repent and trust in Him alone. That is the gospel. And if you're here, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're here, you don't know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian? You can talk to any member here, but you can feel free after the service to speak with me. Um, uh, there in the lobby, I'll be more than happy to talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, um, I think those were the announcements. I that think we those have. announcements. Everything we was in the it should be in the bulletin, except for the you know the thing about the special call, but um, supporting Joel. But so everything else is in there. So, um, if you have any questions, you can pick up one of these bulletins in the back. All right, um, praying. Let's start off with prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are merciful, kind, awesome, loving just and a jealous God. You give us mercy and grace every second of every day, even when we feel that we are going through tough times or when we don't deserve the trials that you place in our lives, you are giving us mercy and grace. You show us all grace by letting us live another day, having oxygen to breathe, having loved ones surround us, and we often take this for granted. Lord, your mercies do not stop there. You reach out even further to love those who do not love you, to those who will not love you unless you love them first. Without you, God, we will reject you. We will despise your leadership and we will blaspheme your great name. But Lord God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who lived the perfect life that we could never live, who died the death we deserve to die, and rose from the grave to show that you have power over Satan and death itself. You call to your elect. You call us to repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he laid down. Lord God, let us accept this gospel message. Let us take this message of great news and proclaim it to all peoples, that that your elect may find you and that your name may be glorified. Thank you for letting us be involved in the process, God, that you would allow us to, through it, grow to love you more. Protect us as a church to be strong in faith and to protect this message with our very lives. It is by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I do pray this. Amen. Tabernacle 
glory to the Lord on high. God wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. Celebrate the light when I stumble in the darkness. I will call your name by night. God wonders beyond our galaxy. read together Hebrews chapter 10 verses 18 through 23 now where there is forgiveness there is no longer an offering for sin therefore brothers since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by a new and living way he has opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh and since we have a great high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering 
For he who promised is faithful. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh, my soul, I worship Your holy name. My strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forever. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh, my soul, worship His holy 
Father we are so overwhelmed by your grace your great steadfast unbelievable love for us in the Lord Jesus Christ astounded astounded to the point where we will love you with our lives We'll love you with lives that please and worship you in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Whether it's in public or in private, 
up on a mountain with a big group of people there in our closet or there in the grocery store that we will worship you with every aspect of our lives you've transformed us by your love and you continue to transform us by your loving grace we love you Lord God hear us as we pray together pray for Matthias and Janet Sandoval increase in them their good deeds love faith service and perseverance make known to them the idols of their hearts direct them towards a heart that worships you may they hold fast to the gospel overcoming by their faith don't let them forget what they've heard what they've received in the Lord Jesus may they keep it not sleep not grow weary may they praise your name and the roles that you have them in being faithful Matthias is a faithful husband with gracious leadership and Janet with joyful submission to Matthias in all things protect their marriage for the glory of your name we pray for another church this time we pray for Miller Valley Baptist Church give them a greater desire for you to be with you to desire your beauty to meditate upon your word may they bring to you thankful hearts with shouts of joy over your great grace to them may they be a church that seeks your face Teach them your way. Lead them in the straight path. May they wait for you. Let their hearts be strong, courageous in the gospel. And we pray for Chris Marley Jr. We pray for your provision for them. Pray that he would love his wife Leah, his kids. We pray he would shepherd your people in grace and compassion with joy thank you for Chris's faithfulness and thank you for his friendship we thank you that by your grace you've given us a heart for the world you give us a heart for people to see people respond to the gospel we have a heart for missions we have a heart for the people of Botswana we praising you that Botswana has religious liberty. We're praising you for the openness towards missions agencies to work there. We're praising you for things going well in the economy, but our hearts are heavy over the massive amounts of nominalism. People are Christian in name only, not by their lives. There's immorality, a commitment to alcohol and to drugs. Bring out 
the lights of the gospel which transforms lives from darkness to light. We pray that our brethren, those who are faithful to the gospel, that they will live out the gospel. The gospel will be central in these churches of Botswana. We pray for them to have godly, holy, pure lives. May they be attentive to the word, attentive to the scripture. May they reach out in grace towards those with HIV and AIDS. May care for them, minister to them in ways that just dumbfounds the world. We pray for solid doctrine for these churches. They'll be bold for the gospel. We specifically pray for the young people. Soften their hearts to your gospel truth. We pray for these Bantu people that they would believe. And for the other people groups. Kalanga, Yeyi, Namya, the Sun people. Bring the light of the gospel because the evil one has blinded their eyes. Send some of us to go. Bring about reformation and revival amongst us so we will be sent out to be a part of them and minister alongside of them to their own people. For us who are here this morning, encourage us with the truth of your word. Encourage us with the reality of the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this together in his name. Amen. Would you be seated, please? Take out your Bibles, please, and go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. <clears throat> if you're visiting with us, you can pull out that black Bible in the chair in front of you. I believe you go to, towards the back, page 171. 171, you'll find Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to do verses 14, 15, and 16. I don't know what to do. It's only three verses. I'm used to like 500 Nobody got that. Okay, right over everyone's head. Sure. All right. It's a joke, friends. Joke. Okay. Anyways, Hebrews four fourteen through sixteen. Um, I've told you that I wanted to periodically just take a break from um, a particular book that we're going through and zero in on a passage to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. So that's what we're going to do this messages specifically geared to, to direct us to the Lord's Supper, to prepare us for the Lord's Supper. I think that's vital and important for us to do. So, and the next week we'll, and the week after that we'll finish up the book of Acts. So, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. <clears throat> Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. 
We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. I put the title there, Don't Give Up, Press On. Because the temptation is to give up. Have you ever felt that way before? Where you say, I can't keep going on like this. I need to stop. I can't keep doing this anymore. It's like when you're on a run. If you're familiar with running, there's a point where your body is screaming at you, What are you doing? You idiot! Stop! And to tell you, and to force you to do that, it begins to send signals to your knees, and then to your shins, and then to your feet. That tells you, ow, that hurts, ow, that hurts, ow, that hurts. Stop! Stop running now. And that's how we can feel. In a temptation... You feel that way in your struggle against sin? Do you feel that way in the midst of a trial or a tribulation where you feel like you feel like you're at the end of your rope? And there's no point in going on. I can't do this anymore. Well, before you give up, before you throw in the towel, don't give up. Press on. Don't give up. Press on. May I share with you today two ways God encourages not to give up but to press on. Two ways. God will encourage us today to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper not to give up but to press on. Hold fast to the truth and draw near with confidence. Or grasp tenaciously and approach confidently. Grasp tenaciously your confession. Approach confidently the throne of grace. Or hold fast to the truth. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That's how God is calling us to. Don't give up. Press on. Let me give you a little bit of context to this passage. The writer moves from Jesus being superior to the angels to being superior to Moses and then to being superior over the high priest which he will expand. He kind of begins that process in chapter 2 and a little bit in chapter 3 and then here in 4 and then he launches into that in chapter 5 and elsewhere. In 2.17, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore he had to be made like his brother in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. 
And so here he will give the significance of his title being high priest. Jesus being the high priest, that doesn't make him great. What makes him great is his deity. His deity and being God the Son, that's what makes Jesus great. He's the eternal Son of God. The second person of the Trinity. And since He is deity and has gone through the heavens, His priesthood is far superior to Aaron. Far superior. Jesus became one with His people, made like us, human. Offering the perfect sacrifice Himself. And He was exalted entered into heaven which completed the Father's will and is upon this that's the basis for the exhortation hold fast draw near we can hold fast because he knows our weaknesses his human experience has satisfied him to be sympathetic merciful a gracious faithful high priest in other words he knows what it's like He's gone through that. He's been certified. He's gone through the process. He's gone through the training. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to be like us. To be a kid. To be a teen. To be in your 20s. To be in your 30s. He knows. His high priesthood is designed to foster endurance in us as we struggle against sin, as we struggle in our unbelief. He is our great spiritual resource. He's your great spiritual resource, Christian. Don't give up. Press on. Press on. Grasp tenaciously the truth or hold fast the truth hold fast our confession verses 14 through 15 let us hold fast our confession it means holding on to someone or something so as to remain closely to that or closely to that person or closely to that thing to grasp taking hold of it and notice he calls himself to do that not just let you but let us together let us hold fast what confession? The confession that we profess. The truth of the gospel. Hold fast to the gospel. Hold fast the gospel word. Grasp tenaciously the truth of the gospel. The fact that Jesus Christ took on flesh. God-man. Lived perfectly died as a substitute resurrected from the dead and the call is to repent and trust in Jesus alone this is the gospel word we confess this is the gospel word we profess and if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus you're not a Christian you don't know what it means to be a Christian I just told you God should condemn you. God should judge you. But He shows grace in Jesus who took on humanity, perfectly lived, died as a substitute. God unleashed His anger on sin 
upon Jesus. And to show that he was pleased with that, he brought him back to life. And now he calls you to respond. Repent and trust in Jesus alone. You'll be saved. That's the gospel. That's the confession. And we hold to that. See, don't think, we, we should not think that the gospel is just merely for a non-Christian. The gospel is not merely for a non-Christian. The gospel is merely for us. It's not merely for us. It's merely for the non-Christian. It's merely for all of us. Because we will, in just a few moments, partake of the Lord's Supper where you will taste the gospel. You will tangibly hold the gospel because these are physical reminders, tangible things to remind you. His body for us, we share it. His blood shed for me, my sin forgiven. The gospel, we, we hold fast to this confession. That's why we must be a church that presses on and we hold so tightly to this gospel truth. Why? Why do we do that? We'll look at that in a moment. True faith is professing with the heart and the mouth joyfully and openly. That's true faith. Why do we do this? Why can we hold fast this confession? The incentive to hold fast is knowing that Jesus is the Son of God and a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. And that we have a high priest who identifies with us in weakness. Blah, 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 blah. In short, because of his deity and because of his humanity. Why can we hold fast to this confession? Why do we hold fast to this gospel truth? Because Jesus is God. And Jesus will forever be human. Jesus is the God-man. And he forever will be God-man. Forever. Connecting himself to human flesh forever on behalf of sinners. Where we will be in, in glory. Think of it. We will be in glory and we will sing to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and we will see the resurrected body and the scars still on his hands and the scars still on his feet and the scars still on his side will be reminded of the confession will be reminded of his substitutionary death will be reminded that in Jesus Christ and him alone we have forgiveness will be reminded forever so the, the writer of Hebrews the author of Hebrews he says hold fast to this Notice how he unpacks this, verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest. The priesthood that we see in the book of Leviticus, which started with Aaron. Aaron was set apart by God. From Aaron will come the high priesthood. We have this great high priest, superior to the earthly high priest. Why is he greater? Who's passed through the heavens? What in the world does that mean? Does that mean he was like a, a 747 jet? Oh look, I see the stream of Jesus flying by. Oh, I didn't know that's what that meant. No, that's not what that means. I mean, like, if you're a little kid, you're like, oh, pass through the heavens. Kind of like a jet plane? No, no, no. Not like that. What does that mean? 
the Hebrew high priest, Aaron and his sons, they would enter the inner sanctuary of the tabernacle or of the temple. The inner sanctuary was called the most holy place or the holy of holies, right? And he could walk in there anytime he wanted. No, he couldn't. He only did it once a year. And once a year, he would go really fast. He would move. He would go, okay, and then he'd get out. As fast as he could. To the point where what they would actually do, what they did, so rumor has it, tying a rope around his ankle because if he didn't move fast and he didn't move quick and he started to kind of mess around or just say, hey, what's going on? He dropped dead. And he wasn't moving. You don't want a dead body in there the whole time, do you? Ew. So they just pull him out. Because you didn't mess around in there. You didn't go in there and just say hi and converse and talk. No, the Hebrew high priest entered the inner sanctuary. This was the place of God's presence. This is where he dwelt with his people. Right there in the Ark of the Covenant. There were the angels and cherubim looking down upon the mercy seat. That's where he was. That's glory. He only went there once a year. Any more than that, he would die. So what does this mean, Jesus passed through the heavens? Jesus has entered the heavens and is always in the presence of God. Why? Because he is God. That's what it means, Pastor the Heavens. He's always in the presence of God. He's always in His presence. He went through the supreme place where God dwells because He's the eternal Son. He's the eternal God-man. Chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 of Hebrews. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days is spoken to us in Son. Who is the Son? Whom He appointed heir of all things. Through Him also He made the world. Verse 3, Being the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature, He upholds all things by the word of His power. When He made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is always in the presence of the Father. His sacrifice was sufficient. His priesthood is always in the presence of God. That's why the writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus, the Son of God, there in verse 14. He's majestic in power and glory. No, He's not one of many gods, like the Church of Latter-day Saints teaches. No, He's not one of thousands of gods, by which the Heavenly Father with the Heavenly Mother, they had Jesus. No, that's not how it goes. You've had one God in His essence, three distinct persons. The, Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. One God, three distinct persons. He is the Eternal Son, and being very God, He took on flesh. As Son... He's the ultimate revelation, the full expressor of God. As high priest, he's faithful to God. He 
faced temptation, suffered and died. He completed the work that the Father had given to him. I mean, with this kind of high priest, we can have confidence to hold fast our confession. With this kind of high priest, we can hold fast because the ministry, suffering, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ, this gospel word we profess, and it is true, and it is sufficient. We hold fast. Not only do we hold fast because Jesus is deity, the eternal Son of God, but plus Jesus sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. Notice what he says in verse 15. For, connecting back to verse 14, hold fast to confession. For, we do not have a high priest who cannot, excuse me, sympathize with our weaknesses. This is a double negative. Double negative. You don't not not do that. That's a triple negative. In other words, we do have a high priest who understands our weaknesses and our temptations because he experienced weakness and he experienced temptation. Chapter 2, verse 18. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Jesus is a merciful and faithful high priest. He's an exalted high priest who has descended to our level. And if we confess his name and, and we end up suffering for it, he suffers with us when we're reproached. He knows what it's like to be human. That's why he says here, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are. He was tempted by Satan, coping with thirst, fatigue, loneliness, disappointments. He dealt with the same things. Nothing in our human experiences was foreign to him because he had endured it. He knows what it's like. Like what he faced. Like what? In the desert? When was the last time you did 40 days and 40 nights of fasting? It was kind of hard. You might feel like that when you're on a diet. Oh my goodness, it's terrible. It's only been 40 minutes. Is it ready to eat now? In the desert, 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted by the devil. On the cross... Having been up all night, betrayed by his disciples, left by himself, ripped so that the skin was ripped off his back, hanging on a cross, and he's ridiculed, and he's mocked. Well, come down from that cross, and then we'll all believe in you, if you say you're the Son of God. have faced this we can never fathom how vast Jesus temptations were or how he endured them especially since he resisted temptation to the end knowing the full weight of a particular temptation 
you might say, what are, you, what are we talking about? What would it be like to experience every temptation to its maximum level? What would it be like? We don't know because we succumb to it. We give up, right? Oh, no, I got me. Not so with Jesus. He felt the maximum level of a temptation, every temptation, and endured it and did not succumb. We don't know what it's like. Jesus knows what it's like. And due to his humanness, humanness, he anticipated the temptations we face. He sympathizes with us in the temptations we face today. And that's why what we'll see in a moment, he helps us in those temptations. He helps us in our struggles. He helps us in our unbelief. He helps us when we struggle against sin. This is the glory of the Incarnation. This is the glory of the eternal Son of God taking on flesh. Jesus entered our world in alienation, loneliness, pain. How about if I use clinical words for you? Depression, PTSD, anxiety, worry. He was hated, rejected, scorned, ridiculed, betrayed, and he was alone. Can you relate? Jesus relates to you. Jesus relates to you. And you notice the last part of verse 15 without sin. He endured a whole gamut of things. He faced the, the maximum level of the temptation. And he did it without sin. Without succumbing to it. He did not want sin. He stayed true. Now was he able to sin? No. Because he was God. He was not able to sin. It's called him being impeccable. But he still experienced the full weight of temptations and sufferings. How amazing. What, what a great Savior. So you have all of this as your backing. Hold fast the confession. Grasp tenaciously the truth of the gospel. And that leads us to number two. Approach confidently the throne of grace or draw near because he passed through the heavens uh, because he sympathizes with our weaknesses we hold fast to the confession and we approach confidently therefore says the writer of Hebrews let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace approach come boldly believers have confidence to approach God boldly and notice he includes himself once again. Let us do this together. And our approach to him is our sacrifice to him. He wants a broken and contrite heart to come to him. Psalm 51 verse 17. 
David says this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. We approach Him with brokenness. We approach Him boldly saying, I need you. With confidence we come saying, I come and I implore you, I need you. I can't do this. And when we approach boldly, when we draw near, what does God give to us? His mercy and grace. Notice. Draw near, therefore, with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. When we come to the throne of grace, we find mercy for past failure and grace for present and future work. At the perfect time of need, God will give it to us. Come near with a broken and contrite heart. Come, weak one. Come to the throne of grace. Notice what he... Throne. There's the kingship of Jesus, right? You think of throne, like, wow, power, right? Dominion. Think of greatness, majesty, strong. He sits at the Father's right hand. We read that in chapter 1. With full authority over heaven and earth. It's the throne of glory. It's the glorious throne. Yes. But it's the gracious throne. It's a gracious throne. A sinner who comes with a repentant, broken heart will find forgiving grace from the King. Sinner, come. Come, he says. Come. Come, sinner. And you will find forgiveness. You will find forgiving grace from the glorious throne of the King. Because His throne is a throne of grace. This, this would be odd for a Jew. This would be odd for a Hebrew. They would be, what are you talking about? They wouldn't get this. Why? Because under the Old Covenant, direct access to God was limited. It was regulated only for the high priest. Remember the, the, the most holy place, the, the inner sanctuary, the, the, the holy of holies? The priest would only go in there once a year. This once. He couldn't go in there any time. Once a year. Bada bing, bada boom. You get in, you get out. But now, the writer of Hebrews says, Christians, followers of Jesus can not just once. Let us continue to draw near, approach boldly, come in and out and in and out and in and out and stay in. They come out and stay in and come out and stay in. You can come anytime. It's open to us. It's open to us. Christians can continually draw near directly and confidently. So don't just come in. You, you come in with confidence or boldly. Not in fear that He will condemn you. Not in fear that He will judge you. Should you be? Oh yes, you should be. 
He should strike you down. I'd probably be the first one. Yes, but the king is full of grace, isn't he? Can you feel from the passage God's tender compassion? Can you feel his goodness and his love for you, Christian? Can you feel that? This is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way you can make sense of the fact that God says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving thousands. How does that make sense? How does he do that? How can he do that? He does it through the eternal Son. Fully God. Fully man. Who came in before the presence of God all the time laid himself down on behalf of sinners towards the Father. The Father was so satisfied, so now the Father opens it up to anyone. My Son has taken care of the work. All the conditions were met. Now you just come. You just come. Come with confidence. Come boldly. When we come, we will receive God's mercy because we fail so often. And we need God's grace because we're so weak. Right? We need God's mercy for past failures. I said that earlier. We need God's grace for present and future work. And His mercy is unending. It continues. It pours out upon you. That's why He says, you may, we may receive mercy and may find grace to help you in the time of need. It's timely help at the right time. Perfect timing. God's grace is given at the right moment, excuse me, at the right hour, for the right moment, in the right amount. When trials overwhelm us, when the struggle against sin seems to be bearing down upon you, and you're in despair, our help comes from the Lord Himself. As we struggle against sin and unbelief, God encourages us to hold fast to our confession and approach boldly His throne. There you find mercy. He will generously give His mercy and have grace, give you grace to help you so you will be sustained today and you'll be sustained in the future. John Piper's book, Future Grace. That's what he's talking about. God's grace is for us so we can continue on in the future. He gives us mercy because of those past failures and His grace comes for us to sustain us in the present and to continue. We continue to do His work in the future. His grace. And so when we come to the Lord's Supper, that's what we're doing. That's what we should be thinking. Mercy for past failure. Grace for the present. Will your circumstances change? Maybe, maybe not. But God implores you to come to find mercy and grace, though the issues may still be before you. So what do you do? You continue to trust God. 
and you press on. Hold fast and draw near. In a few moments we're going to take the time to think tangibly in tangible ways about how we can put this into practice. You have a specific opportunity to put this into practice, to remind yourself and to approach boldly the throne and to receive His mercy and to be reminded of His grace to sustain you now and for future service. The tangible way will be in the elements. Partaking of the bread and partaking of the juice. Let me give you some instructions for this. And then we'll, we'll do some other things. I'll explain it to you in just a moment. But instructions for the Lord's Supper. This is for believers. If you're not a Christian, it's not for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you should not be partaking of this. And to also fence the table in other ways. Um, if you've been, you might not be a member of this church, but if you come from a church of like faith and practice, and been baptized by immersion, you can partake of the elements as well. Something else, so too. You might be a believer, you might be a Christian, come from church of life, faith, and practice, what have you. But you have a conflict with someone, another believer, or even a non-Christian. And you have not gone to reconcile with them. Another way thou fence the table is, don't partake of the Lord's Supper. Wait. Go and try to reconcile with that person. If you tried and it didn't, you've done what you can. Nothing happened. You can't force it. But if you haven't tried, if you haven't gone to reconcile, then you need to go reconcile first. And then the next time we have the Lord's Supper, then partake it with us. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to let you have some time. We, we want to think about the passage. We'll do that. We'll have our time of giving because another aspect of us worshiping is when we give. And then I'll give you some more time to think and to ponder, to proclaim the gospel to yourself, and then we'll pass the bread to each other at some, some point. I think there's a song somewhere in there. But this point, this time, ponder, think what we've seen here in God's Word in Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Take a few moments and do that.
Let's sing Jesus, thank you. Stay seated for this. cross I cannot comprehend the agonies of Calvary you the perfect holy one who crushed your son who drank the bitter cup reserved for me because your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus sacrifice I've been brought your enemy you've made your friend I'm pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end because your blood washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank want to live for you O lover of my soul I want to live for you by your perfect sacrifice I've been brought near enemy you've made your friend pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy your kindness know no end oh lover of my soul I want to live for you, O lover of my soul. 
your blood has washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank because your blood washed away our sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank you Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Lord Jesus, we at this time proclaim the gospel preach the gospel maybe for even some of us we've got to shout the gospel to ourselves that we are unworthy we are failures and sinners losers and yet we are praising you because you have called us to come we hold fast this truth we hold fast this confession Jesus thank you the father's wrath satisfied Jesus thank you we once were your enemy but now we're your friend now seated at your table why oh why would you do this we're speechless and all we can say is, Jesus, thank you. We hold fast this confession. Jesus, you are the Christ, the God-man. Knowing exactly what it's like to be human. And all the weaknesses that we face. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being merciful. And so as we partake of this elements, it will tangibly remind us of the gospel word, the gospel truth that we as a church will hold central. We will lay down our lives for this gospel word. Unite us in this gospel truth. men if you would come and pass out the bread to us and as they are coming to pass out the bread continue to recite to yourself this confession of faith 
Jesus, thank you for providing the perfect sacrifice for our sins. since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh we have a great high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a sincere heart full assurance of faith God's changed us we've had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience bodies have been washed with pure water. Father, we come to you only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. His body which was given for us. We share this together. So people of God, let's eat together. You guys should pass out the juice to us too. That'd be great. Continue to take the time and recite the gospel to yourself.
by this love of God was manifested among us. That God has sent His one and only Son into the world so we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. Sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. We thank You, Father, for Your love for us in Jesus Christ. Because of His shed blood, the life that He gave, His sacrifice, You were pleased. The satisfying sacrifice, satisfying Your wrath that should come against sin was poured out upon Your Son. And so, we will take this juice to remind us that where we should be condemned, where we should be away from your presence, where we should be tossed aside, where we are rebellious sinners who should be sent to burning hell forever. Instead, you've given us grace, love, your presence always with us because of Jesus who he is and what he has done changing us transforming us your grace thank you for your grace let's take the juice together beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another And Father, it's our prayer as well that this grace will transform us that we will be a people who love you and who show that love for you in the way that we respond and care and minister and serve one another. Continue to transform us as you saved us by your grace. Transform us by your grace. Amen. If you would, pass your cups to the middle aisles. Stack them, pass them. Stack them and pass them. Then this good-looking guy will pick them up for you. The guy in the blue shirt. And uh, last song, is it before the throne of God? Oh yeah, there it is. So we'll stand and we'll sing this perfect song for to end our time. Alright, let's stand. Let's sing.
Oh, what a great truth. We're so encouraged. Thank you for encouraging us, Father, to hold fast. We grasp tenaciously this confession of faith. And we will draw near. We'll draw near today, tomorrow, this week. Over the coming weeks and months, we will continue to draw near, approach confidently to the throne of grace. And you give us mercy. You give us grace. Timely help. Thank you for that. Thank you for the encouragement of the gospel we had together this morning. Change us and transform us by this gospel truth. Amen.